Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Katie G and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, December 5th, 2018 and this is the 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting. Today we are reading from the big book Alcoholics Anonymous and we are in the chapter A Vision for You. We are on page 164 starting with the third paragraph, and we are reading on the third sentence only, clear away the wreckage of your past, and comments will be welcome on that one sentence. Today's readers are the 12 Steps of OA is Jackie M, 12 Traditions of OA is Esther F, readers of the text are Deb W, Naomi B, and Catherine C. The share ID for Wednesday, December 4, 2018, the 7 a.m. Eastern Time is 12,258. The 10 a.m. Eastern Time is 12,263. OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors, and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Jackie M. to please read the 12 steps. Jackie? Hi, good morning, everyone. This is Jackie M. from New York, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. The 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, We're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12. 
having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me do service, and I pass. Thank you. I will now ask Esther S. to please read the 12 Traditions of OA. Esther? Good morning, everyone. This is Esther F., a recovered compulsive overeater from Cleveland, Ohio. The 12 Traditions. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is the desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. And 12. Anonymity is a spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me do service, and I pass. Thanks, Esther. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book, Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your share be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book. We are in the chapter, A Vision for You. We are on page 164, starting with the third paragraph, the third sentence, clear away the wreckage of the past, and comments will be welcome on that one sentence. I will now ask Deb W. to please begin reading. Deb? Okay, this is Deb W. recovered in Oklahoma. Do you hear me well? Can you hear me? I'm sorry, Deb. Yes, you're loud and clear. Thank you. Oh, okay. Okay. 
Okay, so it says clear away the past, the uh, clear away the wreckage of your past. And you know, of course, each one of these sentences holds so much. And uh, I was thinking when I was reading it and meditating it over um, that you know, I I think most of us are survivors. You know, we got through um, childhood or some parts of adulthood and you know, we're present and we are applauded greatly for having gone through what we went through. And, uh, you know, like uh, every, like many others, I, I had physical abuse, emotional and, and spiritual brokenness. And, uh, you know, I, I had that story too. And actually what got me in the rooms was the weight. You know, I, I didn't even think about the life before uh, I came in the rooms. I came in the rooms to lose weight, and uh, you know, I noticed when I came in the rooms that when others told their story, uh, there was a freedom, you know, a freedom to, you know, to be open and honest. And then when I told my story, there was sympathy, there was love, there was support like I had never had before, you know. And uh, but yet I realized that after so long, you know, sharing at so many meetings and even conventions, et cetera, um, I was living out of the past. I was living out of wow, did you go through that? You know, you know, you're, you that was wonderful and great. And having worked through the steps um, and finishing the steps, I couldn't understand. You know, I I couldn't understand uh, who I was, who was I after I turned all this stuff over. You know, uh, I, it was like God was, uh, imp- you know, it was like I was going through this thing about, well, who am I now? You know, and it was such a drop. It was an emptiness after all of the attention and love and c- caring. And realizing that that wasn't what was going on today, that isn't who I am, you know. That time that I had to wait to start seeing God create in me a new person, a new Debbie, with a new definition, with nothing of of what was, what, you know, um, sustained me at that point. And uh, um, today, and I I know that uh, all these things are important, that we admit them and we we pass them on, but today they're just used for the purpose of giving our experience for those of us who, you know, are, need to know that it's possible to not be that kid who, you know, uh, went through what she went through. Um, yeah, I made a decision to Time, try please. this program. Okay, thank you. I made a decision to try this program and, and to be undressed. Uh, in front of people who were willing to um, to uh, listen and, and help me. And then I realized, and, and God developed in me a new person. And I, I would bet I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Deb. And before I welcome names, I just want to remind everyone where we are. So we're on page 164 in the chapter of Vision for You, starting with the third sentence. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Um, We're reading that one sentence. Please say your first name and last initial. I'm going to do the best I can to hear everyone. Siobhan C. Lance. Harlan G. Steve S. Lance. 
Carlin, Kim, Kim G. Kathy, got you. Okay, so I have Siobhan, Lance, Harlan, Kim, Kathy. Um, uh, can I get a, one more? Ginger C. Ginger C, okay. Yeah. Wow, that's a great... Um, and we'll add you, yeah, so we're going to stop right there. So I have Siobhan L., Lance L., Harlan G., Kim G., Kathy K., Ginger C., um, and we'll come around to everybody for the next. So um, everybody except for Siobhan L., mute your phones. We'll get started. Good morning, Siobhan. Good morning, family, and good morning. Um, uh, and thank you, Katie, so much for your service. I actually just want to start by spelling my name for those who are looking me up in the directory. It's S is in, um, in solution, I is in into action, O is in others, B is in big book, H is in how it works, A is in agnostic, N is in neutrality, and my first initial of my last name is C as in uh, closet uh, big book thumper. Okay, um, so um, the question, let's see. Uh, okay, ab abandon yourself. Oh, no, sorry. Um, where was that sentence? Oh. Clear with, clear with the wreckage of your past. Okay. So um, the first thing I need to know is, like, what does it mean to clear, right? And, and there's precise instructions on how I do that. And I call that, I mean, gosh, I, 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 I live every, I'm willing at every moment. Like, what is it? I wanted to, sorry, to clear it away is kind of a step five, right, in practice, because I'm admitting to God, to ourselves, to myself, to another human being. I know I, I'm willing to share it with anybody. Why? Because it says any human being. It doesn't say recovered human being. It doesn't say um, male human being, female human being. Um, so I'm admitting that to anybody. And I do that immediately. I will grab somebody in the street and say, you know, can I share something that I just did that was awful? You know, I mean, I, I literally, I clear it right away. Um, I, I cannot afford being the kind of eater that I was. Uh, which was very, you know, very extensive eating career from four in the morning, four, four years old. I did my first binge on my own vomit because my mother was a wealthy Indian woman and she felt guilty that we were wealthy. And I, my job was to be the human garbage can. So I cleaned my plate. We were members of the Clean Plate Society, but the Clean Table Society was my job. So, uh, and I would say, mommy, mommy, I'm going to throw up. And she said, well, I ain't your goddamn throw up. And I did, like a good little girl. So I started at four and I ended at 47. And I ended on, I started this journey, um, homicidal, suicidal, with a very specific Columbine issue in my head that I didn't share with anybody else. I didn't clear it. Didn't clear it with a therapist. Didn't clear it with anybody. Um, and thank God I found this permanent solution to uh, a temporary problem. Just a temporary problem that got fixed in five days. Permanently fixed because I'm spiritually active. And I get up, It's for me, it's uh, 4.15 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. But I've been up since 2. I've actually been talking to protege since two. That's how intensive I need to be. So I clear it away. How do, what is the wreckage? The wreckage is anytime I see one of my character defects show up in action, you know? So, um, like, what does that look like? Um, oh, gosh. You know, there's not a lot of wreckage these days, you know, because I'm not spiritually active. I don't know. There's a, it's hard to almost come up with an example, but I know this, that um, basically whatever would show up in my fifth step as, a, as this global – you know, I got kind of like, I got these lessons in, in my fifth step. There were time so for you. Thank you. Okay, Siobhan, thank you. And we'll now have Lance, and I believe it's Al. Lance, please go ahead. Good morning, everyone. My name is Lance. I'm a recovered compulsive eater from California. 
Uh, thank you for opening up the lines today and uh, being the first thing that I hear and that I say this morning. Um, clearing away the wreckage of our past, uh, to me, right now, as new as I am in this program, uh, seems like that is step four through nine. And I say that because that seems like a whole process to me. You know, I, I, I have to be very aware of what the wreckage is. I need others to help me along with this. Um, God is involved with that. I make contact with God. I realize how that wreckage was created, what inside of me, the defects inside of me that, that, um, that set that ball in motion. Um, and I need to know who I've hurt who I've hurt, who, who was a part of that wreckage. There's always people involved. There's always people involved. And um, the process to repairing that. Um, you know, the personality change that I have, the spiritual uh, change that I have is that others and everyone else is not to blame for that wreckage. Like, I have a part in it, and I have a part to repair that wreckage. Um, in order to live a new life today, I need a clean slate. This wreckage of the past, clearing it, it's all about creating that new page in my life. Today I have freedom because I was so trapped. Food was my master. Food was my God. Food was my salvation. And I have freedom from how I eat, when I eat, why I eat, and most importantly, what I eat. I thank you for opening the lines again, and I'll pass. Thank you, Lance. We'll now have Harlan G. followed by Kim G. Harlan, please go ahead. Thanks, Katie, and thank you, Gabriella, for um, lending us your mom this morning, and I hope you're feeling better this morning, Gabriella. And I also want to thank Team Thursday. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Now, Dr. Bob is a pivotal figure in the history of AA. And we get, sometimes we get the impression that Dr. Bob met Bill and Bill met Bob. And from there, from there sprung AA and there were conventions and hundreds of thousands of, no, not true at all. Bill met Bob on Mother's Day, 1935 in May. And Bob got sober, but only temporarily, only temporarily, he was to drink again one more time. He went to an American Medical Association convention. Now, we are told that he returned on the 10th. American Medical Association records indicate that the convention ended on the 17th and began on the 10th. So there is some discrepancy. However, let's just go with Dr. Bob's time frame. He gets back on the 10th of June, actually gets back on the 9th of June, 1935, and on the 10th of June, 1935, he achieves the sobriety that will last him until his death of, in November of 1950. He will die with 15 years plus of sobriety. What happened? What changed? What was different? Dr. Bob was reticent to take one of the steps of the Oxford group, and that step was restitution. 
And the restitution step in his mind meant that he was going to have to go around Akron, Ohio, admitting his wrongs to people that he had harmed through his drinking, and his fear was he would lose what little medical practice he had left. He didn't realize that in Akron, Ohio, there was only one person that didn't realize that Bob was an alcoholic, and that was him. When he came back in June and he finally gets that operation done, he goes around making restitution and at 11.45 p.m. comes up to the home on Ardmore Street and Ann and Bill Wilson are waiting for him and he is never to drink again. What changed? He went around Akron and made restitution. There's a very clear warning in Ninth Step that if you don't do this, you will get drunk again. You will. The steps are divided into four distinct sections. Admission, step one. Submission, steps two through seven. Restitution, eight and nine. And reconstruction, 10, 11, and 12. This restitution is so pivotal that this is where the so-called promises come from. I say so-called because there's promises all through the book. There's promises. Time, please. And I'm going to close with this. Clear away the wreckage of your past. And if you have followed the directions and have remained abstinent, those promises will come true. And with that, I will pass. Thank you. Thank you, Harlan. We'll now have Kim G. followed by Kathy K. Kim, please go ahead. Good morning, Katie. Good morning, everyone. My name is Kim G., a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey, near, not too far from Atlantic City, which is where exactly what uh, Harlan was talking about that convention being at. Love being near the history. Um, so clear away the wreckage of our past. And I think it's been pointed out, which I'm going to point out again, is, is that is the inventory process. And as someone who was an Overeaters Anonymous for many years and confused, I thought the inventory was step four. So I'm so glad that Lance pointed out the inventory process is steps four through nine. So I thought the inventory process wasn't really about clearing away the past. I thought it was to understand my past. I thought it was to blame people for my past. Honestly, my goal of my first fifth step was I'm going to make my sponsor hate these people as much as I hate them. And the biggest misconception was I thought I could do the, the inventory process while I was drinking and would wonder why I didn't get the effect from the steps is because I was still getting the effect from the food. So, so how do I do this? How do I clear away that wreckage? Why, why do I even do it? Because I say I need this spiritual awakening. And why do I need this spiritual awakening? Because I'm blocked. And that means when I'm abstinent, I'm restless, I'm irritable, I'm discontent, I'm blocked from power. And I need this power. So in steps four through nine, I get unblocked. And in steps 10, 11, and 12, I stay unblocked. And we say this all the time, spiritual awakening, spirit, you know, psychic change, personality change. What does that mean? What does it mean to clear away our past? I think the most beautiful description is on page 27. I'm just going to read a line out of there. It says, ideas, emotions, and attitudes, which were once the guiding forces of the lives of these men, were suddenly cast to one side, and a completely new set of conceptions began to dominate them. You know, I thought step four was about an autobiography. If I tell someone all my story, then I'm, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be okay. I mean, share it or wear it is what I heard. And if that was true, honestly, I would have recovered in the all-you-can-eat buffets as I complained about my life and about being a compulsive overeater. 
So what does four through nine do for us? In steps four through four and five, we look at our resentments, our fears, our sex conduct, and those get cast to one side. In steps six and seven, I identify these defects that I'm selfish, I'm dishonest, I'm self-seeking, I'm frightened, I'm inconsiderate, and those get cast to one side. And then eight and nine, I get rid of the guilt, the shame, and remorse of how I treated other people, and that gets cast to one side. And by casting that stuff aside, a power rises up in me that's been deep down inside me that I have never been able to access because of all the crap I've kept between me and that power. So clear away that past has a very specific past when we're talking about the, the 12 steps and this big book. And let me tell you, that clearing away of the past has made a present and a future beyond my wildest dreams. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim G. We'll now have Kathy K. followed by Ginger C. Kathy, please go ahead. Thank you, Katie, for your service. It's Kathy K. Recovered in Boston. Um, you know, when I first read this sentence this morning, clear away the wreckage of your past, the first thing that came to my mind was how all the therapy I did in my 20s, 30s, and 40s, um, to find solutions to my living problems. And I had, I thought, great self-awareness, but for some reason I didn't find a way to uh, live uh, in serenity and peace. And it wasn't until I did my fourth step and gave that away that I began to understand how I was the creator of my own problems. Um, so everyone who has said it this morning, I truly agree with it. It's not just steps four and five. That's not enough to clear away the wreckage. Um, but we have to go on uh, to partner with a higher power so that we can um, make restitution that's warranted from from the past. Um, the other thing I wanted to say is, although I had a big awakening the first time I went through these steps, um, clearing away the wreckage of my past can mean this morning, if I did something, uh, I need to take a look at it. If I'm disturbed, I need to take a look at it. And there's a good chance I need to make some kind of amends in my thinking or my behavior if I am to stay um, in a, a place of gratitude and acceptance. So clearing away the wreckage of our past is a continuous process each one day at a time. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kathy Kay. And we'll now have Ginger C. Ginger, please go ahead. Hi, Katie. Good morning. Can you hear me? Yep. Oh, great. Thanks so much for your service this morning. This is Ginger C., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Colorado. And thank God again for these clear-cut directions that save our lives and hopefully keep us in a fit spiritual condition so we never return to the greatest lie that food is some kind of friend and something that I need in order to get through this thing called life. And um, clear away this wreckage of the past is probably one of the greatest beginnings. And I often hear how many people are so afraid to go through four through nine. And this is freedom. You know, how free do you want to be? 
And I have to see my BS because what happens with this passive mind that I hold on to, it's just blocking what I need, this power. And um, so I have no choice but to do this work. And again, it's good work to be done. It's freedom. It helps me to see my part, to take ownership, to take responsibility. Yeah, I was wrong. But, you know, I have two brains. I have a brain that fills me with lies, and then the second brain believes and buys into these lies. And I will go to great lengths to convince you why I'm right or why I need to hold on to these paths. So, again, these this directions, they're so simple. I just follow them precisely, and then usually the unexpected happens, the step nine work, this amends that I was able to make to a mother that I've hated for my entire life, me drinking the poison, waiting for her to die. And guess who was dying all in between? Me, because I couldn't stop relapsing. I couldn't stop eating. And then my sponsor so guided me so beautifully, and I got to see my part, and I got to do the work around it. I got to make that amends and clear away that past. And today I'm free. And for the most part, since I put down the fork, I've been doing this in a happy, joyous, and free manner, not this clinging, you know, this white-knuckling, painful existence. So join us. Put the food down. Say goodbye to this food that's killing you that you think you can't be without, and then see where God takes you. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Ginger. Before we get started with a new list of people to share, just a reminder, we are on page 164. We are on the third paragraph. We are reading one sentence only, which is the third sentence. Clear away the wreckage of your past and shares are welcome on that sentence. So who um, wants to share? Hang on, Matt, Rust, and Melissa, Larry, Melissa, and one more, Leslie, okay, we're going to cap it there, and then we'll welcome more shares, so the list I have is Matt M, Russ M, Nessa R, Larry K, Melissa C, and Leslie W, okay, Matt, please get us started. Thank you, KG, for your service, my friend. Uh, good morning, everyone. This is Matt Evans, a over eater. Clear way to record your past. I'm definitely working on them right now. I'm working on my step nine. I'm doing step tens every day. My sponsor's going to be going over step 11 with me. And I'm taking it day by day. I've been asking over three months. It's been over, oh, no, not three, but yeah, three months. And um, every day gets better and better. I'm losing, my physical recovery is getting better. I got a job. I'm gainfully employed. <laughs> I'm doing. I have friends. My life is becoming bigger and bigger. Not smaller and smaller. Not in the food. And you, I can't ask for anything more. You know, I'm very grateful for God and what He's given me back in my life. I've got life again. I'm living again. I'm not just existing. And I'm not just drifting on a sea of nothingness. I'm actually learning to live again. It's a great feeling. I'm so grateful. I have the opportunities I've been given. And uh, yeah, I want to have. A, I want to live a have of happy, joyous, and free. I want to live a life like that. So what, I think it one day at a time, one meal at a time, one step at a time, and I, I reach out to others to let them know that I am here and I belong here. And with that, I pass. Thank you. 
Thank you, Madam. And we'll now have Russ M. followed by Nessa R. Russ, please go ahead. Good morning, Katie. Good morning, family. It's Russ M., recovered compulsive reader outside of Philly. Clear away the records of your past. My past destroyed me. My past debilitated me with fear. My past kept me stuck in this disease. You know, you can't uh, move the plow forward and look behind you. And I did that for 44 years. My past was cumulative. It, it, it accumulated. It stacked up. Because as I was stuck in my past, when I was trying to move forward, I made more mistakes. And I was stuck in this disease. And it was like a, a, a vicious cycle until I finally just was crushed and beaten and battered where I just said, yo, Lord, I can't do this anymore. But I think I think that was a cool thing. Now that I'm looking back, hindsight is twenty twenty. because if I wasn't crushed and broken and debilitated, I wouldn't be where I'm at now. I wouldn't have any freedom. If I wasn't a compulsive overeater that stumbled over himself and screwed a lot of things up, I wouldn't be in this great position right now with this spiritual program of action. You know, I have everything I need to straighten my life out and be a grown man, be a grown-ass man and deal with life. You know, I have I have really, I don't have too much by the world standards, straight up being honest with you, but I have everything. I have everything because of this program, because of my relationship with God, because of the program, and because of each and every one of you. I'm, I'm, I'm like a, a pretty good reclamation project. It's coming along. But if I kept my eyes focused behind me, I would probably be dead right now. So I just want to thank you. I love you guys so much. And I love that you're there for me. And uh, if you ever need me, I'm here. Have a beautiful day. God bless. Thank you, Russ. And we'll now have Nessa R. followed by Larry K. Nessa, please go ahead. Thank you. Good morning, Vision for You. This is Nessa R., a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Clear away the wreckage of your past. So what is the wreckage of my past? The wreckage of my past is what keeps me blocked from God, the real solution, and keeps me in the food. And these are the fears and resentments, you know, the problems of our own making, which are the fears and resentments um, that stem from the self, self-centered, selfish perspective through which I process everything that happens in, happens in my life, my circumstances, my events, the people, uh, places, and situations um, around me, you know, not the situations and the people and the circumstances themselves, but my perspective. And so how do I clear that? As has been said before um, at length, you know, steps, steps four through nine, uh, and there's just, I, I never found another way um, to do it. But when I, when I was standing um, in step one, looking forward to those steps, I had already made up my mind what I was going to do and what I was not going to do what I was going to admit to and what I was not going to admit to, um, whom I was going to make amends to and whom I was not going to make amends to. And, you know, that wasn't very helpful at all. That wasn't very helpful at all because I was just at step one. I was just at step one and I needed to focus on step one, you know, one step at a time. You know what? I didn't have any business looking forward to, to step nine um, when I was at that point. By the time I got to those specific steps, four, five, six, I was ready. I was ready, and I had no reservations whatsoever. But until I got there, 
um, I had a very hard time, um, you know, staying abstinent and keeping abstinent. You know, um, it took a lot of willingness to withstand with, with, with uh, discomfort. You know, willingness is not, uh, in our program, it's not the willingness to be thin and it's not the willingness to be recovered because I had that willingness, but that willingness didn't help me. It is the willingness to, to withstand the discomfort until I do. Um, and when I got that willingness and I got there, the results were unbelievable. And yeah, there was one holdout. There was no way that I was going to make amends to my father, uh, my widowed father, because he got involved with a woman that I didn't like. And every time he was in town, my sponsor would say to me, you know, do it now. You may never get another chance. Do it now. You never get a chance. And I never did it. And my father passed away suddenly you know, almost six years ago, and I never made amends to them, to him. Um, but at his funeral, I actually made amends to, to, the, to his wife, which was incredibly harder, much, much harder than it would have meant to make amends to, to him. But the feeling was so unbelievable. And now I have a very good relationship with her. Again, I've continuing to make living amends to my father, um, you know, and Time, please. it just... It, Thank you. Um, the feeling is incomparable, and I am free. Like that, that, that feeling of freedom that I don't have anything hanging over my shoulder, which really strengthens my recovery. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Nessa. And we'll now have Larry Kay followed by Melissa C. Larry, please go ahead. Good morning, Katie. Thanks so much for your service. Um, you know, the, um, the big book... Um, reminds me that when cleaning up the wreckage of, of the past, no, those aren't my papers, but I'm, I'm sure they're important papers. The big book reminds me that when cleaning up the wreckage of my past, it's harder to go to an enemy than to a friend, but we find it much more beneficial to us. See, I wanted to make the easy amends first. I wanted to sort of ease into this deal. And I'm going to share you a bit of wisdom passed on to me by someone in whom the problem had been solved. And he said that the harms that you had done to people in whom you're currently on pretty good terms, Larry, those harms, well, well, they're not the ones that are keeping you blocked off from the sunlight of the spirit. It's the whoppers, Larry. It's the doozies, those, those that have engendered deep resentment and hurt and remorse and guilt. Those, those are the ones. It's the brother or sister who you haven't spoken to in years. It's the parent who harmed you so severely as a child that you emotionally detached years ago. You have nothing to do with them. And you get to take it on on everyone else around you for decades. It's the former boss who fired you or the coworker that you despise for causing you such harm. Those are the ones. It's the ex-husband or the wife that cheated on you and they pulled the rug right out from under you and your children. And it's the grown child who despises you and wants nothing to do with you. Or worse, they committed suicide. It wasn't the person who could even pick you out of a lineup on their best day. See, they moved on. He said, let's not confuse the inconsequential with the consequential because, Larry, the resentments have the power to kill. And God will not remove those resentments. God will not remove the guilt, the remorse, 
with a magic wand and pixie dust and was mentioned as was mentioned by uh, dr bob he wasted no time he pocketed his pride and he got busy it takes courage to pocket our pride and get busy but that's going to make the difference and you can't get it from hearing about it from me or anyone else who's done it dr bob had to do it himself you got to do it yourself and then you'll see the transformation and with that i pass Thank you, Larry. And we'll now have Melissa C. followed by Leslie W. And just a gentle reminder, when you unmute, please make sure you remute your phone. Go ahead, Melissa. Hi. Good morning, Katie. Thank you so much for your loving service. Good morning, everyone. It's Melissa C. Recovered Compulsive Overeater in New York. And, um, you know, I used to say um, I'll never get over blank, you know, Whatever those things were that happened in my life, they're kind of, they're not really important right now for this conversation, you know. But like everybody, I had my own lengthy history of ways that life did not suit me. And I and I really would say, like, I'm never going to get over this. And, and if you experienced this, um, you wouldn't either. And um, and then here was another good one. I used to say, I'm, listen, I'm entitled to feel this way. And, you know, through through the work of the program um, and, and a connection, you know, with wonderful fellows who helped me see the truth, um, it was revealed to me, no, no, you're entitled to much greater than that. You know, yeah, you're not entitled to walk around feeling fearful. You're actually entitled to feeling free. And, and what's that going to take, you know? And so I had to realize that there was um, – I was getting some kind of thrill about hanging on to those things. You know, it was, I was treasuring the wreckage of my past because they were my, they were my great excuse for not stepping up, for not doing better. And, you know, and so I needed to clear away the wreckage of it. I needed to um, make some peace with it and, and find my part and find acceptance. And so you know, like, and I, 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 yeah, I had to go make some amends that I didn't want to make. And, my God, making those, I, I, they they made me freer and freer and freer. Every time I made an amends that I thought I would never do, I thought that person didn't deserve, um, you know, the desire to eat, <laughs> it, it seems ridiculous. Like, who would want to eat when you feel that free? And, you know, and so... um today, like the wreckage of my past, sometimes I have an opportunity to share it with other people just so that I can bear witness to the wonderful power of God. And and I love listening to other people like right here on the line who have had tremendous obstacles and and yet we don't eat compulsively as a result of them. And so none of this was wasted in God's economy. It's all beneficial. It all can be useful. But I don't have to wear what happened to me like a badge of honor. You know, it, it, it just did. It just happened. It's not personal. Was it done to me? It just was. And um, thank you with that, I'll count. Thank you, Melissa C. And we'll now have Leslie W. Leslie, please go ahead. Thanks, Katie. I don't know how on earth you heard me. Maybe it's the southern accent. Um, 
this is Leslie W. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Tennessee and so happy to share this morning. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Man, I cannot look at this line without thinking of um, my sister. <laughs> There's lots of you on this line that know about, um, <clears throat> not lots of you, but some of you know about the uh, difficulties that I had with making amends to my sister. Um I was holding on to that one. I mean, I had that resentment clenched so tight in my fist for so many years and buried down so deep that um, I did did enjoy. I did enjoy holding on to that resentment. I did enjoy the superiority of it. And for many years... uh, what I would say to myself was, well, I haven't exactly said anything or done anything to her. Um, I just hate her in my in between my ears. I mean, you know, <laughs> I think about how much I hate her, but I don't, I don't really, I haven't really done any harm. What a bunch of BS. I mean, because the the, the second that I start character assassinating, as they like to call it, someone in my head, I'm doing them harm. And they feel it. And they know it. Every interaction that I had with my sister was strained. I was prickly. I was sensitive. And when I finally made my amends to her, what I said was, you know what? I'm sorry for not being the sister to you that I should have been all these years. I haven't been there for you because I just cut her off. I mean, emotionally, I cut myself off from her. And what she said to me was, you know, I don't feel like I can be myself around you because I feel like I'm going to hurt your feelings every time I open my mouth. Why do I have to be so sensitive that people can't be who they are? Now, that doesn't mean that I let people beat up on me. Or, or verbally abuse me, but at the same time, I can really love her and accept her today for who she is. And man, that is such a change. And man, do I have so much more space in my head and in my heart and in my soul for God today to enter in because I'm not holding my fist closed. And that wrecking ball just Wham, just went right through that resentment, baby. So thank God for this program and thank God for these steps and for the recovered people that take us through it. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Leslie. So we have five plus four. So let's try for um, three people that would like to finish us up today. Carlisa C. Janet H. Carlisa, was that Jen H.? Janet. Janet H. Okay, so I have Kalisa. I'm sorry, that's what my scri- my scribble says. And then Jen H. and Lynn S. Uh, let's start with that. Kalisa, please go ahead and uh, remind us the first initial of your last name, please. Thank you. My name is Carlisa C. And thank you for your faithful service. And I've really enjoyed what I've heard. So without this uh, recovery work, without these steps, without learning to walk them faithfully, 
uh, I would not have come probably to the most important realization of my life, which is that it's the battle is always me versus me. The struggle is always me versus me. And so for for most of my life before I was introduced to these principles and this this instruction book, I thought it was me against the world. I thought it was me against my parents. I thought it was me against my community. I thought it was me against uh, racism, sexism, misogyny. If you fill in the blank. But with this work, this tremendous, amazing work, which got, asked me always to look at my part in it, always, whatever the circumstance is, where am I located in the mess? And I have to say, <laughs> when I started thinking about things like that, you know, where am I located in the mess called my life? I was the key actor. I was the director. I was trying to arrange things the way that I thought they should be. And um, needless to say, much of my thinking needed to be reconstructed, starting with instead of blaming the world for what was happening to me, responding, you know, um, getting back to that kind of innocent and uh, innocent experience, you know, being um, being willing to to let my resentments go that had that had really become my identity, right? To get to my essence, to get to that calm, authentic place, which is now my home inside of me. And it, you know, without this work, it wouldn't have happened. Um, I've had outside help, and and it's been effective, but nothing has seared me to the core, to the me but like this work. So again, um, when I am, when, you know, I have to make a choice every day. Do I want to be happy? You know, am I, do I want to live in joy? Do I want to live this day like it's the last one? Because it could be. And the answer to those questions today are yes, yes, and yes. And they are present makers. They put me in the present. So again, I really appreciate everything I've heard, and I pass. Thank you, Kalisa. We'll now have Janet H. followed by Lynn S. Janet, please go ahead. Thank you. I, I'm Janet H., a compulsive overeater, gratefully recovering in Southern California. Can I be heard? Hello? Be heard. Yes, Janet. Go ahead. Okay, can I be heard now? Yes. Yes. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Okay. Sorry, I don't know what happened there. Um, so, yeah, you know what? Um, God, I just had kind of an aha moment in the middle of all of this. Um, you know, I I made amends early on to some of the most difficult people as a result of circumstance, and there was a time where I just felt like it was time for me to look at my childhood stuff, and I was working steps on that, including my father. And then I got the call that he was in the hospital dying of cancer. And it was just amazing. It was like, oh, wow. Then I thank God that I was, you know, moved to do that work because I got to go make amends to him. But what I just realized also, though, is that um, at the time I had the blessed gift of denial that I believe is really a gift from God in my life. And I may not have been able to make amends to him 
if I really understood the damage he did. And the irony, and this is something I never heard from anyone else, but this is what happened for me. Um, for me, blame is an attitude. It's different than responsibility. Blame is, is saying that if only everyone else would change, my life would be comfortable. But responsibility is something that I take from my, my acts and that I can put on other people for theirs. I was horribly abused growing up and um, by my father and other members of my family. And, you know, I learned different ways of coping. Uh, food was one really early one. Disassociation, um, just shutting down my feelings completely or just not being there through the abuse. And those things helped me survive, and then they became a character defects, and they, became, they started killing me. Um, so I had to find out what my wrongs were, but I also had to find out what wasn't mine. So many of us in this program were abused, and, and there's a process that I've had to go through, you know, in the steps and also with outside help to recover from that. And... My only part in the child abuse is if I didn't work through it or, you know, for the time that I didn't work through it until the time came that I could remember, but I was safe because I was within my group and felt loved and, and taken care of there and part of. And as a result of that, I was able to, um, you know, to do that work. And I was taught that everything was my fault and there was a power in that and finding out that when I, put, when I put the responsibility for the abuse squarely on their shoulders and the responsibility for the recovery from it squarely on mine, I was able to forgive. And that, Hi, was, a complete, that was a complete surprise. Thank you um, for that. You know, I'd never heard that before, and it's been a miracle in my life. And so I've continued to do this work and to help others to work through it through the steps and also let them know when they need outside help. Thanks for letting me share. Thanks, Janice. And Lynn S., I'm sorry, we have about a minute for you. I apologize. Would you like to take it? Yes, please. Good morning. This is Lynn S., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Toronto, Canada. I get visions of Jacob Marley dragging all these chains and things behind him. And that's how I lived my life. And I would rattle these chains and, oh, my goodness, what a life. And isn't program marvelous? We get the opportunity not only to put down the food, which we thought was our biggest problem, the worst thing in our life, and we get to clear away the wreckage of our past so that we can live purposeful, useful lives. We have a connection with the God of our understanding. We can move forward. We don't have to drag all that self-imposed, a lot of it from me, but all that other crap with us. And I, I just get this vision. I am so glad, so full of grace to be in this program and to be able to recover. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Lynn. And thank you for everyone who shared and did service at our meeting today. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following our closing. The share ID for Thursday, December 6, 2018, the 7 a.m. meeting, is 12,270. That's 12270. 
We will now close with a reading from the Big Book on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. Will Naomi B. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Thank you, Katie. Good morning, family. This is Naomi B., a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater outside Philadelphia. Our book is meant to be suggested only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that the relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.